Hello, fellow planeswalkers, and welcome to Into the Aether Vortex. My name's Ninja Boy, your guide into all of the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. So it's been about three weeks or so since Ikoria came out on Magic Arena, and I've been enjoying this world of monsters so far, to be honest. I've been streaming every Friday evening on Magic Arena on Twitch at NinjaBoy333, boy with an eye, uh, if anyone wants to follow, for at least a couple of hours. Uh, for the most part, I've been jamming Best of One Human Drafts, aka Premier Drafts. A little bit of standard, we'll get that in a little bit. Uh, but with regard to drafting, uh, so far I've been able to get 20 drafts in, uh, winning 61 games and losing 56 for an overall win rate of just over 5, 50, 52%. Um, this, you know, the games range, the, the decks range from, you know, 03 decks uh, up to 7-1 decks. Um, but hey, it's a winning record overall. Um, I tend to hit my ceiling limit around gold 4. Sometimes I'll get to gold 3, but then a loose stick will bring me back down to the bottom of gold 4, unfortunately. Um, now, this podcast is no limited resources. It's no Lords of Limited or Limited Level Ups. Uh, so definitely check those guys out if you want to play a lot better in this limited format than I am. But if you want to see what the experience of a decidedly very average limited player is like, carry on. Uh, overall, my most drafted color would be red and white. Uh, this is mostly due to the five cycling decks that I tried to make work for a little bit. Um, and I drafted 13 of each color. Um, my least drafted deck color would be green with only eight decks out of the 20. That said, uh, green is my most winning color, uh, having 34 wins and 20 losses. Uh, no small part to the two decks that went uh, seven wins each with Vivian in them. Um, if I, you know, adjust the colors based on how f and, and normalize it based on how frequently I did draft them, my most winning deck is blue with a 59% win rate um, at just over 12 decks total. Um, so, you know, of the 20 drafts, I've been able to make uh, the gems back on five of them uh, by going at least 5x or better. Um, so just to run through them quickly. So first up, I had a 5-3 deck that was uh, essentially white-black weenies with removal. Um, I had all three uncommon white-black cards, uh, Gentleness Enforcer, the two-drop 2-3 two, that um, can you know, exile cards from a graveyard and uh, to make 1-1 one, one tokens. Uh, dire Tactics, which is a you know exile removal spell with a downside if you don't control a human. And then two Necropanthers, the mutate creature that lets you bring back a creature uh, with three CMC or less um, when you mutate it. Um, I also had two Garrison Cats, uh, the one drop that leaves behind a human token when it dies, and then two Mutual Destructions, the one mana removal spell that requires you to sacrifice a creature, which uh, the Garrison Cat is a pretty good candidate for. On top of that, I also had a lot of other removal in Deadweight, uh, Easy Prey, uh, the one that only hits two CMC or lower creatures, Heartless Act, uh, which either hits any creature or... Um, or removes counters, and Blood Curdle, uh, which is the unconditional removal at 4 mana with a Menace counter. Um, on top of that, I also had a Dirge Bat, uh, the mutate creature that when it mutates, destroy a creature, and Lurking Deadeye, uh, when it deals, destroys a creature that was dealt damage this turn for even more removal. Um, on top of this, I had the Crystalline Giant, uh, Huntmaster Liger, and Call the Death Dweller, um, you know, that 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 could recur some things. So, you know, I think in hindsight, I could probably have cut the Cavern Whisper that I had at the top of my curve, or even lower to the ground build, and added in another, another Heartless Act, which for some reason I didn't include. I also had the Blade Banis uh, in the sideboard, which I probably should have cut the Helica Glider for, though maybe the Helica Glider was a good call so I could, you know, um, mutate onto it. 
Uh, in any case, my next deck that I had a winning, you know, five plus wins on was a seven one deck that was pretty nuts. It was a soul tie build with Yorion and Vivian. So I was playing sixty cards here. I was primarily blue green mutate uh, with black added in for dead weight, easy play, blood curl, and dark bargain. So a little bit of draw, mostly removal. Um, on the blue green side, I had Yorion, of course. Um, so a consistent five drop, and then Vivian. Uh, I'm pretty so. I think this draft actually I ended up uh, disconnecting in the first pick, but luckily Vivian was my pack one pick one automatically by the bot so thank you for that um those are some nice turn five plays but on top of that i also pull i think pack three and luna which is the teamer apex i couldn't actually cast the hard cast because i didn't include any red mana instead i could just always mutate them onto something to dig for more permanence to the battle you know usually use the creature mm-hmm. on top of that i had um all three simic uncommons uh primal empathy which is the uh enchantment that cares about having the big highest toughness creature on the board uh trumpeting nar which when it mutates creature three three beast creature token and parcel beast to just dig for more land so um this was a pretty nuts deck and kind of crazy that i actually didn't pick vivian first pick i was disconnected um after the vivian deck i had a pretty bad streak of you know going three three or so um and then i eventually got back to a five three with a weird esper bill which you know not you wouldn't expect in the wet set um, it was more white blue i splashed black for heartless act and cavern whisper um, but basically when it's a control deck it had two essence scatters two pacifisms one neutralize uh, one capture sphere and two gust of wind so lots of removal um and then the the main plan was to try to mutate mutate onto a crystalline giant or thieving otter with support from you know polywalk symbiote and i had you know my top end was archipelagor dream heron or volpicate for flying damage to push through um i then had my terrible run of trying to get cycling to work um with you know five decks not breaking above you know i only had one deck get three wins everything else was zero one or two wins um in five different attempts um when i decided to finally give up on the cycling dream i was rewarded with a six three sultai deck uh, mostly black green splashing for capture sphere um you know it's again a lot of removal heavy dead weight three easy praise uh ram through charge of the forever beast and two blood curdles again on top of a dirge bat and two back for moors to recur um you know some creatures from the graveyard um that combo nicely actually with the boot nippers that i had you know those are death touch creatures that would just kill whatever was on their board um you know and then i ended up set the, the 20 games with a 7-1 deck uh which is primarily a blue red spells deck uh you know i only had seven creatures in this deck i had one spike dragon one facet reader one glimmer bell one spell either wolverine one far finder and then two pyroceratops um, and i had a bunch of card draw and removal spells of various kinds um the fun part though was pack three i first picked the vivian from that pack and then i you know i i pit, put that in the deck over uh the jess Sky rare Warren of Thought, which would draw me a card for every non-creature spell I cast. Um, my only fixing for this was four forest and farfinder, but somehow worked. I was just you know being able to dig so deep and keep the board clear with the removal. Really, just got you know keep hanging on there until Vivian got in. Vivian's a ridiculous card, and you know that's how I was able to get my two seven wins. Uh, throughout all these decks, you know, I found some pretty cool interactions. Um, little pockets of synergy, as the Lord's Eliminated guys say. Uh, with Gantha the Wellspring, so the com- the companion that doesn't let you have more than one colored pip in, or one, two of the same colored pip in a convert in a casting cost. But when you ta- you can tap it for Wooberg to play for uh, colored mana. Um, you know, you can do stuff. Well, I was able to cast a lot of the non-weds, non-ultimatum weds cards. So, for example, in that deck, um, 
it was five colors. I was playing two of the Song of Creation uh, enchantment, the Teamer enchant. That's Teamer uh, in the converted in the in the casting cost. Um, the Soltai enchantment Titan's Nest, which, by the way, lets you exile cards from your graveyard, so I could you know pay the part of the mana cost that Gigantha wouldn't pay for. Um, and then the Abzan uh, Apex Nethor. Um, that deck didn't do super well. I think it went like three three. Um, but you know it's still pretty neat. Um, I think that's the best. Way, that's one of the cool ways to utilize Gigantha in that. You know, yeah, you went. You won't be able to uh, cast him. You know, you, like it kind of goes. To, like, it feels like it kind of goes to wait when you tap him down and you only use one of the colors. So using him with the three different colors, I think, is a is a sneaky way to, to get value out of him. The one that I know that that didn't have a winning record. Um, I also had a deck that I had three burst rags, two ram throughs, the the burn spell functionally that they have trample that carries over damage through, and then classification. Sadly, never got to live the dream of putting classification on the burst rag and then casting wham through to you know deal the excess damage uh, trampling through to the opponent um, I also found the combination of main serval uh, it's the one four cat for two mana with vigilance and then solid footing a one mana enchantment or that gives plus one plus one but more importantly makes it so that your vigilance creature it's equipped on deals combat damage with its toughness so you would build a five five vigilance creature for three mana only not pretty bad um, I also found I really like Crystalline Zyna as a mutate target. That's definitely a first pickable card. It should be first pickable card. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, it's not all upside. I definitely had more than my fair share of decks that didn't quite perform as well. Um, you know, looking at some decks that, that look similar to other decks that I've had or I've seen around, um, I had a 2-3 white-black deck. No, it looked pretty similar to the first one I described, that 5-3 white-black deck. Um, I, I This one even had four Whisper Squad, uh, which is pretty nuts. However, I think the key difference here is, one, I didn't have a lot of the human payoffs. You know, I didn't have um, the black enchantment that will drain you for one whenever a creature dies, or I didn't have the uh, the fortifications one that gives plus one, plus one to all humans. Um, and, you know, the other key difference, I didn't have a killer bomb. Like, you know, the first deck had Dirge Battle, Crystalline Zion. Um, and also, I also didn't have as much removal, you know. Um, I think I only had, like, five versus, like, the eight from the first deck, and not as many reanimation effects that when something that I couldn't get it back um, you know I did have some human synergies but you know the human synergies just don't work with mutate effects because I had a decent amount of this and they weren't the good mutate effects either so yeah I also had the 1-3 deck with Obos the red black um, companion that deals double damage for all odd CMC cards um, it was a red black deck splashing green so Jun um, splashing green for charge of the forever beast and back for more um, frankly, I think the issue here was that I didn't load up on one and three dot creatures, so Obos, you know, couldn't make the most value of him. And you know, I seen this sweet deck from LSV about you know using uh, combat tricks on unblocked creatures to just win out of nowhere from sixteen damage. Um, most of my removal was at two and four, um, and you know, that I red black is like the removal colors, but you know, Obos is in the deck that takes advantage of that. You should be really leaning into that three, the odd TMC. So, you know, I also see that I had an attempt at maybe like Boot Nipper um, mutating into a Porky Parrot, but that just was too early. It was only two cards out of the 40 deck, so it wasn't going wasn't to work. Um, I did have a pretty cool deck with a 2-3 Abzan deck with Seville. Um, it's the black-green legendary human uh, that gives bounty counters. So when something dies, you draw a card and gain three life. Um, I also had the white-black Generalist Enforcer, which makes legendary humans indestructible. So, you know, that's pretty nice. Um, however, I, I definitely miss 
built this deck. I think this was when I was starting to try to look at the cycling decks. Um, I had like a mini cycling package with like three Dranith healers, one Snare Tactician, one Flourishing Fox, and a couple of Imposing Vantasaurus. What was I thinking? Like that doesn't synergize with the rest of what the deck wants to do. Um, the side part is looking back. I could have actually had a pretty decent deck, you know, removing the white and adding in more black and green cards, cards to make the mana more consistent. Um, and as I've alluded to several times, I had a terrible run with five games I tried to make cycling work in various configurations, couldn't get more than three wins, and most of the times it was one or two, and in one case even zero wins. Um, to run through them real quickly, on my first attempt, mostly red rights, blasting black for easy prey, which can cycle. Um, I played 14 lands with seven one-mana cyclers, and the payoffs were one Zendaflare, one Zerda, the red-white companion, one Reptilian Reflection, and one Snare Tactician. Um, but this deck was too diluted with spells, magic cards. I had two Blitz of the Thunder Raptors, which oftentimes just sat in my hand, dealing zero damage. And this deck went one and three. Um, on my next deck, I also on my next tie, I did another one and three deck. This one was Jeskai, not Mardu. Um, it was split too much with mutate stuff. I had Pouncing Sorcerer, Thieving Otter, Trumpeting Nar, um, Glimmer Bell. Those don't work well with the cycling deck. I did have two, six one-mana cyclers and 13 lands, um, and four of those lands were tap lands, unfortunately. Um, I did have two Zenith Flares and two Prickly Marmor sets and then with Tailing Reflection, but you know the, the cyclers were all basically two-mana cyclers at this point, or mostly two-mana cyclers, um, which I think just didn't work out. I was torn between trying to get stuff on the board and like um, do the Spells Matter thing and mutate thing, or the mutate thing, and then you know trying to actually turn through the deck to the, to the cycling deck. Um, my next attempt was my worst deck. It's the only one I've had zero wins on. Um, I didn't even get, I was just so upset with this deck. I didn't even get a proper screen grab of it. But from what I can see, I only had like one Zenith Flare, no real cycling cards to pitch to it. So what was I even thinking? I must have been like super tired and, and not thinking. Um, that was This deck was the one where I found, you know, I had the solid footing and main survival combo for a 5 5 Vigilance creature. But then I also had like, you know, three Regal Leosaurs, which is the red white. Um, mutate that you know gives an anthem to all other creatures when it mutates but that doesn't work well when i'm volturing volt running up the one main serval um so you know that that just doesn't make sense um my fourth attempt was a little bit better. I went 2-3. Uh, this was a Jeskai build. I actually had Narset, the Planeswalker, here. Um, again, I didn't have Zenith's Flare, um, but I did have three Snail Tacticians and one Reptilian Reflection and two Prickly Marmosets and a, and a Rooting Moloch. Um, I had five Vanity Stingers also, which is pretty nuts. Um, you know, so there were nine total one mana cycles. So I guess this is why this is you know the best performance of my cycling decks. But again, I had too much of a split focus between Spell, Matters, Cards, and Cycling. Um, you know, and then finally, you know, I went one three with you know I tried to be super cute with four sanctuary lockdowns for some reason, but those just don't affect the board. If I don't have other humans, um, and yeah, I just didn't have enough you know humans to even matter. So, you know, what was I thinking? Um, I had well, again regal Leosaur, but that doesn't work with human decks because you need to mutate it on something to make it work. Um, and you know, I had no Zenith Flares. The only real payoff was one Reptilian Reflection and one Snail Tactician. I paid 14 lands, uh, with six one mana cyclers. So, yeah, I think you know, so I think the reason I've been doing terribly with cycling decks in Limited is because that's actually the deck I've been running in Standard. And I think my wires get crossed when I'm trying to play the cycling deck in Limited, that the cycling deck in Standard that I'm running. It has kind of different, it's a similar play pattern, but I can't expect the same consistency out of my limited deck as I do with my standard deck. Um, you know, it's it's the first time in a long time I've been able to get on goal in, in standard with a deck. Um, you know, 
back in M20, I had the Team Elemental deck. I would do mostly to complete daily quests. Um, that got converted to an Omnath uh, Brawl deck for Elementals uh, for the free Brawl events. Um, but yeah, this standard deck I've been using is basically the Saffron Olive budget red-white Sackling deck. Um, the only change I've made is I updated some of the lands to the red-white Sock lands. Um, yeah, and you know, hate me all you want, you know, but you know, I, th I think the reason I like this deck is because it reminds me a lot of the decks I like to play in Modern. Um, I like playing Burn in Modern just because, you know, it's kind of a very frantic edge of my seat. Am I going to get the damage through before the opponent is able to stabilize? Just you know, I have to keep on digging and hope I just pull the right card. Um, or I also really like Seismic Swan, so you know, am I able to assemble this combo before the enemy is able to disrupt it, basically? Um, and when I do, you know, it's just like a ridiculous burn combo. I just like draw a bunch of cards and spell and hit and hit the enemy in the face. You know, hit their swans, draw some cards, hit the swans, draw some cards, hit the opponent in the face. You know, actually, that's that's actually a real you know, cool observation that I really enjoy that, those kind of decks. So um, anyway, since I'm playing, you know, the standard deck, again, it's messing with my limited games. I'm not able to be as consistent um, and get my decks, you know, get the turn one, turn two uh, threats out as consistently. And I'm not able to build them up to the point where they're threat threatening or I'm not able to build up to a Genesis as, as consistently. Um, yeah, I think I may just need to stay away from cycling in limited just because one, I think people know about it more and it makes it harder to get the actual deck. Um, I should just for you know, looking at the, my numbers, I should just for Simic um, or you know, hopefully open Vivian and every draft. Um, anyway, back to standard. I, you know, I like I said, I do enjoy the gameplay. Um, the I think there are a lot of reasons why I enjoy it. First off, the mulligan decisions are really interesting. Um, it mostly boils down to do I have a turn one Fox or a turn two Dranit Stinger or a turn two Valiant Rescuer? At least one, ideally two of those. Um, and so long as I'm able to have at least one threat and one land to play it, I'm pretty good because I'll usually be able to cycle the rest to get there. Uh, my favorite sequence play is, you know, turn one um, Fox, uh, attack turn two, uh, pay the land, uh, attack turn two if I need to cycle to, if they block it for whatever reason, you know, cycle twice. Um, or, you know, play the turn two, um, threat and then turn three you know pay another turn to a uh, two drop threat and then cycle once um or end up cycling three times who knows um but yeah i think the other part is the sequencing uh, of figuring out what my turn two place would be obviously fox is on turn one if i have it is a given um but you know maybe if i don't have a fox do i cycle turn one to figure to try to dig deeper to get to more threats and start you know filling my graveyard for zenith flare or do I hold on to it so that I wait for my turn two, you know, to start getting value out of the cyclings on top of this drawing a card? Um, and then in turn two, deciding which threat to put down. Um, you know, if they're volt running up, uh, you know, one big threat, um, I'll generally run with Valiant Rescuer to start generating one one tokens that I can jump. Um, if it's an aggro deck, I'll try to put down Vanith Healer so that I can start, you know, trying to recover the life loss that they're, they're hitting me with. Um, otherwise, you know, my main, my ideal play would probably be Vanith uh, Stinger um, to start pinging them for damage and get it down. Um, and then, you know, choosing this, and I, I also like the sequencing of land drops and, uh, and, and cycling, right? So if I'm trying to play to a Zenith Flare, I'm on three lands, um, you know, then, you know, what's the play there? Um, or so if I'm on four lands and, and I have a Zenith Flare in hand, what's the, what's the play? Um, I could just snap off the Zenith Flare, or what I can do if I have a land is, you know, 
do I decide to cycle a one mana cycle in my deck and hopefully draw into a land if I don't have a land so that my Xenoflare is a little bit bigger and can get more value out of it? Or do I just snap it off? You know, those are the kind of decisions I have to make. Um, and then, you know, I'll even cycle, uh, if I have a sock land in hand that I could play, you know, maybe I'll cycle away, you know, um, on my turn first so that I can get an untapped land and discontinue the cycling chain. Um, and then if I have a Valiant Rescuer in play, you know, I often have to make choices between, you know, do I cycle everything that I can as soon as I get it on my turn and then, ta- and then use up all my mana on my turn? Or do I, you know, use one mana on my turn, uh, assume, make a land drop and then pass and then try to, you know, make, do all the cycling at the end of their turn? Um, I really, yeah. Um, you know, the other big thing, um, you know, the other big thing uh, is knowing when to deploy lures. Um, so, you know, knowing when it's important to buy something back from the graveyard. Um, and yeah, you, lures is probably going to eat a removal spell, but, you know, knowing when to buy back a crucial Vanith healer if they're getting, you know, my life's getting too low or getting back a, a Valiant Rescuer. Um, so yeah, uh, all matchup wise, you know, the main decks I'm running into that I'm seeing on meta decks are Fires of Invention, uh, Blue White Control, Lurus Cat Oven, uh, Red Deck Winds, Soltai or Banned Ram decks with Gairuda or Yorion, and of course the Mirror Mats with other Zenith Flare decks. Um, I also have seen some Mono White Life Gain decks and Winona decks as well. Um, I won't talk about those too much though. So for the Fire decks, that's probably the worst matchup I've run into just because they keep dropping giant haymakers after turn four. I only have so much removal. Uh, my best bet is to try to blitz them out and hope they get an early Zenith Flare. Um, you know, usually I'll hold up removal for, you know, one thing though that does help if I'm able to get an early Fox down is to just grow it big enough so that uh, it's bigger than whatever threats they happen to get on the board. Um, you know, blue-white control decks are pretty frustrating uh, when Teferi bounces my early creatures, though it's not super bad because if I can replay the creature, um, especially if it's a Valiant Rescuer and then start cycling, I can generate, you know, tokens and then get around whatever blockers he puts and take out Teferi. Um, the real challenge is to wait until they tap out uh, with their counter magic, you know, they tap out for something big and then cast Zenith Flare then uh, when they have no, you know, chance to block it. Um, I don't waste removal on Teferi, um, but I will use my Zenith Flare early on Asiox and Narset just because they mess uh, with the game plan of filling the bin and, you know, drawing cards. Um, I do like the fact that cycling is a activated ability which they can't counter um i'm actually really tempted to try to make it a jeskai cycling deck and throw in sark uh sark typhoon uh in there um but yeah um let's see uh lurus cat or oh, not not even for for you know cast, hard casting it but just for being able to cast the sark out of nowhere that can't be countered um, anyway, the next deck is uh, Lurus Oven Cat. It's pretty frustrating just because removing their creatures doesn't do a whole lot. Um, and it, you know, I think the main thing here is to get rid of Lurus um, if he comes down. Though I remember there was this one that was pretty sick where they had a Lurus and then they had like, um, I think it was like the the Kaya's enchantment that basically brings back creatures when they die to the graveyard and just bring that back. And another one where they looped Heliod's Punishment over and over again. That was a pretty rough, rough matchup. Um, the biggest mistake I tend to have against these decks um, is that, you know, when I go in for an Alpha Strike, you know, I'm really close. I swing in with a bunch of tokens from Valiant Rescuer um, and try to push through the last bits of damage with Zen Flare. I miscalculate because I forget that Allurus has life gain uh, or life links. So when they block with that, they gain three additional life. So that's just something I need to keep an eye out for. 
Um, red deck wins, pretty straightforward. The main thing there is to get a Zenith Flare early enough that I'm able to hit their Torbren uh, with it because that's the one, that's the real threat, especially if they're able to get Embercleave down. I mean, um, yeah, I think, you know, gaining life from Zenith Flare goes a long way, but I need to get rid of, of the Torbren um, that, that keeps on pumping their damage. Um, for the ramp decks that feature Yorion or Gairuda, um, the biggest annoyances are Agent of Treachery, which steals the stuff, um, and especially when they start blinking or getting cheated in the play off of Gairuda, um, or Yorion and Gairuda respectively. Um, elite guardmen getting elite guardmates getting you know blinked or cheated in and gaining a bunch of life and drawing cards is also pretty annoying. Um, that said, I don't actually mind Gairuda that much because uh, C actually ends up helping fill the graveyard by milling me repeatedly. Um, assuming I don't mill away all my Zen Flares and I have one in the hand or I'm waiting, usually they'll actually end up tapping out for it just because, you know, it's pretty expensive. Um, and I've more than once had my the turn passed back to me, um, and I would have lost, you know, on their next turn, but I ended up Zen Flaring for lethal because they ended up milling in, like, 20 cards into my graveyard that ended up having a... Uh, uh, cycling on them. Uh, actually, the last game that I that got me into uh, gold for uh, standard uh, was a pretty nuts deck where they had Gairuda, and then it was a weird thing where they had also had um, Thassa, the the sea, the sea god that that blinks them at the end of turn, and they also had Luminous Broodmoth, uh, which brings them back if they die. So it was a pretty nuts thing where I think they they had. Uh, Gairuda in play. They ended up blinking Gairuda at end of turn. Um, what ended up happening is that they mill mill our decks, and that ends up bringing out a Gairuda from their graveyard into the deck. Now, Gairuda, two Gairudas on the field. Um, both of them trigger again. Um, or oh, sorry, one of them triggers. You know, the new one triggers. Um, and then you know, off of the coming into the battlefield, it ends up dying one of them ends up dying due to the legend rule however when that dies um because the brood moth is in play it comes back with a counter a flying counter on it and it triggers it again um and then he did the other one i don't know exactly what happened it was really confusing um but basically and but basically what ended up happening is that they ended up milling both of us out and i thought i was going to lose this game but somewhere along the line they ended up getting an elite guards made trigger on the stack and ended up drawing from their empty library um and ended up losing the game for themselves but that was a pretty nuts deck um so yeah um Anyway, so then finally, uh, the mirror match is uh, super interesting because the life hittles keep on going back and forth. They're super swingy. Um, you know, I can get you super low, and then, you know, but I don't have enough mana to do two Zenith Flares, and then the old Zenith Flare me back, and we gain the life. Um, you know, generally, I found that the Jeskai builds aren't actually as good just because they dilute a lot of the what they're trying to do. Um, and having non-tapped lands, which I've seen a couple decks do, you know, have the temples and such, um, that really sets them back on tempo. And it's really important... I think on these decks to have the maximum velocity, no pun intended with cycling, uh, to dig through a deck to get fill it with um, cycling cards and get the biggest Zen Flare possible. Um, you know, being really careful with the micro micro interactions on how you're maximizing the amount of mana you're spending per turn to cycle um, and get through the deck faster. I think that's the real difference in the. Uh, in the cycling deck. And of course, I also went into the case again with Lurus while I forget that he has lifelink and, and swing in for an alpha strike. 
Um, in any case, as much hate as the deck has gotten from the community, I still enjoy it. In fact, I think I'll probably, when paper cards come out, build this in paper and just add it to my collection of block-constructed decks. So I have like a little battle box of decks from different standard forms that I've enjoyed that are primarily made of decks from of cards from one block um, or one set. Um, I have a black-green elves deck from Magic Origins and then a red, blue, and soul artifact deck uh, from Origins as well. Um, and then I also have a red, green uh, Pummelry deck from Kaladesh, uh, which oddly enough was, you know, uh, also a win out of nowhere combo deck again. Um, so maybe I have, again, maybe like Seismic Swans deck, this is kind of like my thing. In any case, this casting of Pod is slowly coming to its resolution. You can find Into the Ether Vortex on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and you can leave a review on any of those podcast stores on podchaser.com. Links in the show notes. You can also reach out with ideas for feedback on Twitter at EtherVortexPod or via email at IntoTheEtherVortex at gmail.com. My architect with all my deck lists is linked in the under the username NinjaBoy, more with an I, link in the show notes. I also stream Magic Arena every Friday night uh, at Ninzaboy333 on Twitch. Um, follow my Twitter to figure out exactly when I'm going live. I'll probably be streaming tonight. Uh, to be determined if I do more limited, I suspect gold is kind of where my ceiling is at the moment, uh, skill-wise. Or, you know, maybe I'll try to push out of gold in the platinum in standard. Um, in any case, the intro and outro music is provided by Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninzaboy Media. Until next time, may your lands be plentiful, but not too plentiful. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.